0: Let's pray, and we'll ask God for his help. Please join me as we pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word in revelation. And we thank you that even though it's a rather strange genre, yet we're hearing the same message, the message of our Lord Jesus Christ and his sovereign rule and reign and his saving power. We pray, Heavenly Father, you help us to understand this vision this evening, and you please fill us with encouragement as we learn of its great news. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know? Um, do you know what the word "devil" means? Uh, the, the words had a bit of a complex history in the English language. It came into Old English from a Latin translation of a Greek word. Um, that Greek word, diabolos, is the word. It means to accuse someone. Accuse someone. Uh, the Greek word is itself a translation of a Hebrew word. Uh, the Hebrew word satan or Satan as we often say it in English. Again, Satan is a word that means accuser. I don't know what kind of picture you have in your mind of the devil, maybe, I don't know, red with horns and a trident or something like that, but I'm not sure who you think the devil is, but from his name at least, that's his fundamental role. He accuses. A few minutes ago we heard from that uh, that reading from the book of Job, Uh, And and we saw it there, didn't we? God talks about how righteous Job is and what a great guy he is, but then in heaven, Satan accuses him. He says, Job, he's he's only righteous because he wants you to give him good stuff. Uh, The devil accuses Job before God. And of course, since the devil took the form of a snake and led Adam and Eve into sin... He's had good grounds to accuse all of us. You and I, we have no right to be in heaven. We have no right to be with God. The Bible is clear that we're all sinners. None of us love and obey God the way he deserves. None of us are perfect and holy like God is. And so none of us deserve to be with God, to be in his presence as you know, in the Old Testament, um, God did allow people into his presence. He came and he lived with them in their tabernacle, in their temple. And God provided a system so that could happen, a system of animal sacrifices to atone for sin. But even then, even then the devil had grounds to accuse. Because an animal sacrifice, it doesn't really cover the sins of people. So, for example, there on your outline, you can see Romans chapter 3 and verse 25. And you can see there, it's talking about Old Testament times, about how God did not properly punish people's sins. Can you see it there? In his forbearance, God had left the sins committed beforehand, that's in the Old Testament, unpunished. God did, did not punish the sins of the people he saved in the Old Testament. Not in any just way, because as it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, there in your outline again, It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So just just try to imagine the scene in your mind for a moment. Just try to picture the scene in heaven. From the time of Adam and Eve, right through the Old Testament, the devil was in heaven, accusing God's people. Accusing the people whom God had forgiven. Saying, God, you have no right to forgive these people. You have no right to save these people from your just, fair judgment. You have no right to allow these people into your kingdom. It's not fair. It's not just. You're doing the wrong thing. Day and night. The Bible says that Satan accuses God's people in heaven. But do you know the terrible, terrible, terrible thing? The devil was right. His accusation was true. Well, so far, so far in the book of Revelation, John has been telling the seven first century churches, about God's plan for this world. I don't know uh, what happened in your Bible study when you first started off the series. Uh, we, We asked the question, what do people think about the book of Revelation? And everyone said, it's all about the future. Not so far. So far, we've seen it's all about right now. It's all about the time from the ascension until the return of Jesus. Uh, Chapter 5, do you remember we saw Jesus ascend to the throne of God and he alone was found worthy to put into effect God's plan, God's plan to save his people and judge his enemies, God's plan for history from the ascension till the return of Jesus. As the heavenly creatures said, this was chapter 5 and verse 9, chapter 5 and verse 9, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus has put into effect God's plan of salvation. As we've seen, though, God's plan is a plan of suffering for this world, including for Christians. Christians are not exempt. From the time of the ascension of Jesus until the return of Jesus, the world will be the place of those four horses a place of conquest and violence and famine and injustice and disease and death we don't really know why God has planned things this way but from the vision of the seven seals of the scroll we know this is his scroll it's not out of control it's not out of hand this is God's sovereign plan and we know from the vision of the seven trumpets that, that The terrible things of this world, they're God's warning to the world. They're his call to turn from sin and submit to Jesus as king and saviour. We've also seen that as Christians, we ourselves are sealed by God. We will suffer in this world, we will die unless Jesus comes first. But, But God has given us what we need to be able to persevere in faith, to be able to keep on trusting in Jesus so that when we die, we can and will be with God in heaven. We ourselves are sealed. Now, we've also seen that we've got a job to do. Do you remember the job? We're to be God's witnesses. And we've also seen that this world has a use-by date. The day will come when Jesus returns, and there will be a final judgment, a sixth and seventh seal, a seventh trumpet, a final judgment. And now in this next section, the next couple of chapters, 12, 13, we see something like, something like another layer of reality, another a factor in the equation, another reason why the world is the way it is, another reason why God's plan is, is this way, another reason why the time from the ascension until the return of Jesus will be so hard. And this factor in the equation is the devil. Chapter 12, John sees another vision. As you can see from your outline, the vision's in three parts. The dragon and the child, the dragon and heaven, and the dragon and the woman. First, the dragon and the child. John sees a woman. She's clothed in the sun, moon, and 12 stars. Does that ring any bells for you? Sun, moon, 12 stars? Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? That's his dream, isn't it? That's a reference to Joseph's dream in the book of Genesis. Joseph dreamed that the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed down to him. Who was he talking about? The sun was his dad, Jacob, also known as Israel. The moon was his mum, Rachel. And the 11 stars were the other 11 sons of Israel. So who's this woman then? Clothed in the moon and the sun. Clothed in the sun and the moon and 12 stars. She's the people of Israel, God's Old Testament people. In the vision, we see that Israel is about to give birth to a child, an Israelite is about to be born. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1, have a look with me. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. John now sees something else, a dragon, red, probably with the blood of God's people. The dragon has seven heads with crowns on them. This is the dragon who is behind the kingdoms of this world. He also has ten horns. He's very powerful, very strong. Uh, with his tails, with his tail, he throws stars out of heaven. Uh, it's an Old Testament reference to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 10. It means he's a persecutor of Israel. Uh, the dragon stands in front of the woman because he wants to gobble up her child. Verse 3, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. The woman gives birth. And the child is identified in the words of Psalm 2 from the Old Testament. He's identified as the Messiah, the Christ, the king from the line of David, the son of God who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. The dragon wants to destroy the child, but he can't ultimately do it because the Messiah ascends to God. Verse 5. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who, in the words of Psalm 2, will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The sun ascends, but meanwhile the woman is left on earth. She runs away into the desert, just like Israel was in the desert in the time of the Exodus. She's not in the promised land yet. She's not in heaven yet. But but like Israel in the desert, God is protecting her. And notice for how long? Notice it when we see it, because it's the same time we talked about last week. And we'll see it again later. It's it's a reference to the book of Daniel, a time, times, and half a time. It's three and a half years, 1,260 days, 42 months. They're all the same period in our context. It's again the time from the ascension until the return of Jesus, the time of the church's ministry and persecution in the wilderness. Verse 6. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Okay, it's all very symbolic, very dreamlike. But actually, I actually, don't think this vision is too difficult to interpret, is it? Let me see if you can answer these questions. Just answer them in your own head, don't answer them out loud, or other people will hear your good answer and think that they got it right. So, see if you can answer these questions in your own head silently. Who's the dragon? Who's the dragon? Now, that's the devil, isn't it? That's the devil, if you're not sure, it says so in verse 9. Alright then, who's the child? The child born from Israel, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, destined to rule the nations, the one who has ascended to heaven. Who is he? Uh, reminds me of that old joke about the Sunday school teacher who says, What's what's grey and furry and likes to eat gum leaves? And the, the kids in the Sunday school go, look, we know the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a koala to me. <laughs> who's the child born from Israel? The Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, destined to rule the nations, the one who's ascended to heaven? That's Jesus, isn't it? Not a koala at all. <laughs> Who's the woman? Who's the woman? We've already seen. She's from Israel. She, she is Israel, the, the sun, moon, and 12 stars. But, but she's also, did you notice, God's people here on earth for that symbolic time of 1260 days after Jesus has ascended to God. So she's not just Israel. She's God's Old Testament people, Israel. But she's also God's New Testament people, the church. Uh, the woman is God's people through the ages here on earth. So what then does the vision represent? The dragon who wants to eat the child, but the child is snatched up to heaven. Well, Jesus, born from the people of Israel, is born into this world. And the devil wants to destroy him, and he tries hard, doesn't he? From Herod killing all of those babies, through the temptations in the wilderness, all the way through to the cross, where the devil seems to win, where the dragon has killed the child. But the devil's apparent victory is short-lived because the slain lamb rises again and he ascends to the throne of God. And meanwhile, God's people on earth, the woman, God's people on earth, after Jesus' ascension, we're in the wilderness. We're on our way to the promised land, but we're not there yet. We're under God's protection. We have his seal. But it's not going to be easy. That's the first part of the vision. It's quite quite exciting, isn't it? It's beautiful imagery. Next section. Next section we get the same story again, but we get it from a different perspective. So we've seen the dragon and, and, and the sun kind of on earth, but now we see the same thing from heaven's perspective. This part is about the dragon and heaven. And we see that the dragon is expelled from heaven through what Jesus has done on earth, through his dying and rising again. God's angels in heaven... Throw the devil and his minions from heaven to earth. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. The devil has been cast out of heaven. And now, in John's vision, a voice tells us what this means. A voice tells us what this means. What does it mean? It means that now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. What does that mean? Now... God is able to have power and authority over a kingdom of people who are saved. Do you get that? It means that in heaven, God is able to save his people. God is able to establish his kingdom. The salvation and power and kingdom of God in heaven are secure. God is able to have now a saved kingdom of people to rule over. And why? Why can God now have a secure kingdom of saved people in heaven? Because the one who accuses God's people, the one who rightly tells God that we don't deserve to be in heaven, he's been hurled down. He's lost his place of accusation in heaven. And how? How did he lose his place? By the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the lamb has overcome the devil. And now those who hold fast to the lamb, those who trust Jesus to the end, have a safe, secure, eternal place in heaven. They cannot be moved. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power And the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ because the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. Rejoice heaven because the devil is gone. No one can accuse you. Do you get what this is saying? Because this is magnificent. Through the blood of the Lamb, Satan has lost his accusation against us. Through the blood of the Lamb, God is able to justly save his people and the devil has nothing to say. He cannot accuse God of being unjust anymore. There's nothing that can keep us out of heaven. God has justly paid the price for our sin. It reminds me of a famous story told this story many times, but let me tell it again because I love it. There was once a girl who was booked for speeding. She had to appear in court. The prosecutor said, this girl was caught doing 80 kilometres per hour in a 60 kilometre per hour zone. The judge said to the girl, how do you plead? She said, guilty, your honour. So the judge said, then I find you guilty and I fine you $500. But then a strange thing happened. The judge stood up, took off his robe, walked down from the bench and around to the girl, took out his wallet, and he gave her $500. Strange story. key to the story is this. The judge was the girl's father. He was a just judge. And so he demanded that a just penalty be paid. He would not allow anyone to accuse him of being unjust. He insisted that justice be done. But he's also a loving father. And so he paid the price for her. Do you know what, friends? That is what God has done for us in Jesus. The just penalty for our sin is death. And in Christ, God has come into this world and paid the death penalty for us. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin, but the blood of Jesus can. In Christ, God himself has fully paid for the sins of his people. Uh, To quote from Romans 3 again, through the death of Jesus, God has demonstrated his justice, so now he can be both just and the justifier of those who have faith in Christ Jesus. And from the point of view of this vision, that means the devil has to shut up. The devil cannot say a word anymore. He cannot accuse God of being unjust because the price is paid. He cannot accuse us of being sinners unworthy to be in heaven because the price is paid. Friends, hear the good news because it is good news. Before the throne of God above, we have a strong and perfect plea. The devil Cannot accuse. No tongue can bid us thence depart. That's, that's magnificent, isn't it? It is magnificent. Oh, but friends, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And there's a big problem. A big problem with the devil being hurled out of heaven. It means he's been hurled down to earth. And he is livid. He is so angry. He he hates that his accusation has been taken away. He wants to do everything he can to stop you from trusting in Jesus and being there in heaven where he's not allowed to be anymore. He he wants to do everything he can to stop you from trusting in Jesus so that he can can have his accusation back again. Verse 12 again. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. That brings us to the third part of the vision, the dragon and the woman. We now head back down to earth again, and we see that it's a constant struggle. The dragon wants to kill the woman. And although she's protected by God, it's tough. Again, the vision uses all kinds of Old Testament images in a sort of a dreamlike, jumbled sort of a way. Uh, God gives the woman wings like an eagle. That's that's Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, where God carried Israel out of Egypt on eagle's wings. Uh, The dragon tries to drown her with a torrent of water, like, like Noah, like the Red Sea. But the earth opens up again, like it did against Moses' enemies, Dathan and Abiram. God protects his people. Lots of symbols here, but the meaning is this. The devil will do his very worst to stop God's people from overcoming. The devil will do his very worst to stop people from persevering in faith in Jesus. But by God's grace, despite everything the devil might throw at us, we can make it. Like our brothers and sisters in heaven, we can overcome how? The same way they did, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. By trusting Jesus even to death. Verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for a time, times and half a time. Three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Uh, By God's grace we are able to persevere. We are sealed. We can make it. But is that going to stop the dragon? No way. No way. He will not give up. Until Jesus comes back, he will keep on fighting. He will keep on attacking any of God's people he can find. The devil hates the woman and her offspring. And so if you're one of them, if you're a Christian, if you're trusting Jesus, if you're trying to live God's way, well then, friend, you're in a war. Verse 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman. And went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Okay. Well, can you see what's here in this vision? Three stories of the dragon. First, the dragon and the child. The devil wanted to destroy Jesus, but God raised him up to himself. Second, the dragon and heaven. Through the blood of the lamb, the devil has lost his place of accusation in heaven. And then finally, the dragon and the woman, the devil cast out of heaven, is waging war against God's people. Well, let, let me briefly uh, briefly apply this passage to us. Let, let me put it this way. Friends, there's, there's bad news and there's good news. The bad news is this. Are you a Christian? Then expect life in this world to be tough. Expect to face persecution. Expect to face temptation. Expect to hear lies and false teaching about God. Why? Because you're in a war. The devil hates you. He wants you to give up on Jesus. And the more you live for Jesus, the more you stand up and stand out for Jesus, the harder it will be, the angrier you will make him. But friends, the good news is this. The decisive victory has been won the devil's time is short you and i we can make it through this world you and i we can make it to heaven by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony we can overcome through the grace of god by holding firmly to jesus we can have victory over the devil and and, and friends the even better news is this there is no devil in heaven there is no devil in heaven. Jesus has justly paid the price for our sins. There's no accusation to be made against us anymore. Before the throne of God above we do have a strong, perfect plea. No tongue can bid us thence depart. Though Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin the sinless saviour died my sinful soul is counted free for god the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me hallelujah let's pray we praise you heavenly father for your wonderful glorious victory over the devil in the lord jesus christ thank and praise you that you have shut him up forever by justly paying the penalty for our sins. We praise you because you can now have a kingdom of saved people who are justly yours. And we thank you so much that through Jesus we can be a part of that people. Father, you please help us never, ever, ever to give up on Jesus. Help us to keep trusting him. Help us not to love our lives so much as to shrink from death, if that's what it takes. Please, by the power of your Spirit, help us to persevere. And Father, we thank you for the hope and joy and glory that is before us because of your wonderful mercy. In Jesus' name, Amen.